Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Hemkin. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, uh, we got a really awesome show put together. Right. We're going to jump right to it today. Uh, we have somebody, I know we've we've been wanting to get get this guest on the show for years. It's Diesel Jesus. There it is, Diesel Jesus. We got Corey Willis on the line. <laughs> Corey, how the hell are you? What's happening? Well, I don't feel like uh, almighty or, or a Jesus of any sorts, but I'm alive <laughs> and well. <laughs> <laughs> Diesel Jesus. <laughs> Corey, we always start off our shows by asking our guest, uh, how did you get your start in diesel performance? And kind of the same way everybody else did, I suppose. I mean, my parents told me when I was like three years old or something, I had a gas boiler and it had a throttle, like a limiter, like a screw to where you couldn't push the thumb throttle all the way down. Mm-hmm. And they said that at three, I'd seen my dad like screw it out a little bit more. So that way I couldn't go as fast. And when they came out, I was going wide open because I figured out that if you turn it the other way, it goes faster. <laughs> so <laughs> It's been one of those things that I think we, uh, you know, just been hopping stuff up forever. You know, when I was super young and I had, Foolers and dirt bikes. It was just constantly trying to make them faster. All my my friends and some of my cousins, they could all afford like the brand new dirt bikes and foolers, and well, I couldn't. So you know, I just had to suit mine up and <laughs> big bore kits and play with jetting and all kind of stuff. And then you start getting a little bit older. Uh, you know, I built a little '66 Mustang at like 14 years old, and uh, I had to learn a little bit more about you know bigger motors at that point in time and. Then about that age, that's where some of my friends that had a little bit more money, they started getting diesels and stuff. So I was like 13, 14 years old and was installing, you know, edges in trucks. That would have been 2003, I guess. So I just my friends would get parts and, you know, we hang out and install pipes and all the other stuff, you know, the traditional come up of it. And Duramax back then, we all know it was like nothing was screwing with Duramax, right? Like that was the key. (laughs) Only, Only thing you're going to the track stock and running 12s for the most part so of course i got a duramax and i was like 16 or 17 or something i my i sold little things that i had and got just enough to where i could go and get a truck so i got that thing and uh i stacked this was like 2005 i guess and i stacked a edge and a bully dog if i'm not mistaken hell yeah and it was a monster but uh, obviously, it started hurting itself. So then I heard about this software. I think this was in like, it was fast forward like 2006. Heard about the software EFL Live. Um, there was a local guy that was doing tuning, and uh, I had him put a tune in my truck, but it was like never really right. And uh, the AC didn't work right. I'm sure y'all know about that on LOIs with the wrong <laughs> operating system. So that was the biggest concern was like, hey, it's fast, but like my AC don't work. And it's like, well, your AC's broken. I'm like, well, can we maybe try to put it stock or something like that? And it was just your AC's kind of broke. So went back, and it was like 50 or 75 bucks for him to, like, retune it to try to get the AC working. And it still didn't work. So uh, I went down to – this is kind of funny. I went down the road to my buddy Brad Gintz, who owns a company now called EasyLink, but at the time it was Calvin's. And so uh, I went down to there, and he's like, oh, yeah, you have the wrong operating system. And I'm like, all right, cool. What's an operating system? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, he told me about it. So I, I called the dude back up and it's like, hey, you know, it's got the wrong OS or something in it. And that's why AC's not working. He's like, oh, just, you know, you can probably do it yourself. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I bought EFI Live, got on, I think it was like dieselplace.com or something, wherever they had all the stock tunes posted back in the gap. And I found, uh, I found the stock OS that matched it put it in the truck and the freaking AC work. And I was like, God be damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's where the journey started. You know, I, uh, I did like most people do. I took and I'd install like my, uh, bully dog and, you know, I would read the file back out of it, compare the changes to stock and, and, uh, realize I didn't know what really anything meant. So, uh, I started just doing a lot of Googling. I bought some, uh, little books that basically discussed how diesel injection works. And um, I watched a bunch of those videos. It was super cool. Uh, even back then, like, uh, I think even Nick, I want to say Nick had, like, a couple of videos posted. And, like, I knew how stuff worked, but, like, I didn't know what it meant in the software. You know, like, <laughs> what this, like, I know what diesel injection timing is. Like, I know it has a time. It needs to be, you know, I knew the obvious, but, like, what do these labels mean? And, uh, you know, I think I, I think I was actually watched one of Nick's videos, and it was, like, kind of like, ding, it all clicked. And I was like, okay. This makes sense. Like, I, now it, I get what it's saying. And then I just started having fun with it, man. I tuned, 
I, like my truck, I played with it for like a year, and then, you know, I had my buddy's trucks and all that around. And by this time, you know, I'm 17. It's around 2007, I guess. You know, uh, by this time, I'm taking and my buddy's trucks that are around, some of them that had the uh, AC not working and whatnot. I put a little file in it, and it was super simple. Uh, I was doing, uh, like, if y'all remember, this is really going back in the day, but Cat uh, McSwain, uh, he had the uh, 50-50 tune. So you could take, and he was copying basically, like, uh, the injection timing tables from the high-altitude map into the low-altitude map. And, you know, the truck would respond. We'd go to the track all the time. So, you know, I'd make little changes and see what it did, and it, it worked well. And so I got kind of comfortable with that. I bought a LVZ or LMM, I think a LMM, and then uh, – started on that process and then eric steli and and i'd done a few trucks by this time but still i'm like even at the beginning of 09 i wasn't professional i'd been in the efi beta forums and on the beta team and all that but i wasn't yet like considering myself a professional tuner like i would tell people go to go to nick or go to rob or something like that well there was this truck uh good friend of mine eric steli so back in i don't know like 20 this goes cool. 2011 or so, I guess, you know, he comes and he's like, I've got this truck. No, it was probably 09 or 10. It was early, but he had 250 over injectors, two 12 mil pumps, all from extra. he's like, all right, you're going to tune it. And I was like, no, I'm gonna call Rob and get Rob <laughs> to tune it. I don't know how to tune this. And, uh, he's like, bro, you know what you're doing, dude. You got it. And like me and Rob were buddies too, through Calvin's Calvin's was building his transmissions at the time. So you know, I was pretty hooked up with Rob. We'd go to the track, eat crawfish and stuff together. Super cool cat. And so I hit up Rob, and Rob's like, Corey, you're in the data form. You know how to do this. And I'm like, I've never tuned nothing like this. I was like, I don't know how to tune this thing. He's like, it's all the same thing. He's like, it'll run. I was like, it's going to blow up. He's, he's like, no, you know what to do. Just just work on it. So uh, I told Eric, I was like, all right, I'm probably going to blow up your truck because I don't know <laughs> enough about this. Huge, no one's ever tuned this before on an LMM, you know? So he brought it in and that's where like we started discovering like this regulator surge issue like with dual pumps if you remember back when all of us all the tuners were fighting dual pump surge yeah. Yeah. that was before efi even had the regulator scale in there so uh i think it, it was at that point in time i had a friend of mine of all places that i'd worked with on forums he was from germany and you know he'd been tuning bmws for a gazillion years so hit him up and i'm like yo like have you ever ran into something like this? Like, I, I don't really know where to look, but I mean, I know I can see what it's doing, but I don't know what it is. And, oh, yeah, you need to rescale the regulator. Da, 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 da. It's kind of the same thing Brad Calvin said. I was like, all right. So I hit up Ross and I was like, hey, it's, we need to, we need a, like, a scale for the regulator, like voltage versus, you know, uh, you know the scale. Yeah. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll add that. So we added it in there and, um, I just maxed it out. <laughs> didn't really know exactly <laughs> what I was doing. And the truck didn't start. So then I put it stocked. The truck started. And I was like, okay, so that makes sense. The more I put in there, the less fuel it has. The less I have, the more fuel it has. So now I contained the surge. And we fixed that pump surge. And, you know, that was super early on. And um, back then, to fix it, a lot of guys were just sending the regulator and, and sending it through the moon. And it wouldn't surge. But obviously that wasn't right, and it was hurting injectors and stuff like that. So real randomly, you know, through the help of yeah. some friends, we figured out how to get it right, and that became a that that's kind of what set PPI off more than anything. Was people were like, "Wow, that truck just set the LMM world record, and uh, it sounded good, and it was clean." And <laughs> what they didn't know was I was just as surprised as they were. <laughs> but. So, so that's kind of like where the that whenever we went down the track in that truck, like that's where my phone started blowing up, and I didn't have time for this tuning crap, really. You know, it was like kind of a side gig. I had a by this time I'm eighteen, nineteen. I had a little rental company I've been working with forever since I was young, and you know I had a good game plan. So when the tuning took off, it was like, well, <laughs> I'm either in or out, and something's got to go because I can't work any more than twenty three hours around the clock so uh i just pursued the whole tuning career and, and really got into it hard and it was a little after that that like uh efi had started really supporting the lbz's lmms i developed a really good relationship with ross and you know i was just i loved it if, if people go on the old like efi forum and look up like my old screen name was like dmax and k you can see where everybody's learning at that point in time yeah. but you're going back to 2009 2010 and uh, it was a fun time to be in the industry because everybody was after the same goal. 
It wasn't. No one was after money. No one was trying to be the man. Everyone was just trying to figure out how to make these trucks go fast and work and be happy with all these cool new aftermarket parts hitting the industry at once. You know, so, there was a lot like wastegated wastegates back then. Yeah, right. There was a real world. sense of community back in that time. It was, man. I mean, you know, uh, shoot, the beta team was was super tight. You know, everybody that was in that group, you know, it's sad that a lot of those guys aren't, aren't around anymore. But that was I don't I don't think we'll see that again in the tuning industry. That was a really good, good time. In the, yeah. in the game do you think that the growth so hurt the, do you think the growth hurt the industry or you think just people got cash cash hungry or do you think that it has to do with a lot of the stipulation of of what we need to overcome to get new products to market that's really changed that man i think a little bit of everything some of the guys that were that were in the game you know I, nick and i are kind of the younger ones i guess you could say a lot of the other guys were you know a little bit older than us had another 15 20 years and you know, yeah. already had a bunch of kids and all kind of stuff going on. And when the H&S stuff was going on, I think it was at that point in time where a lot of guys were like, eh, it's a good time to get out of it. And I think a lot of them folded up. A lot of them got like a consent decrees from the government and paid like a little fine and, you know, threw the deuces to the game. And, you know, can't really blame them. It's a, it's it's way, as y'all, y'all know, it's way more difficult these days to be in tuning business than it was 10 years ago. Well, it's also just access. I think that's one of the things that we've noticed here throughout the years, and I'm sure you're in the same boat about, um, you know, Chris and I were talking a little bit before the show, and he's like, you know, we should talk about, like, the difference in R&D on, say, like an right. LB7 versus an L5P. Right. Um, an LB7, how did you get a base file to start with that you could read? You, you mentioned, you you mentioned early truck. on, you're like, <laughs> I read it off the truck, or I, I installed a bully dog, and then I read that file off the truck. Right. It's like, that's so far removed from even possible. It, it It's one of those <laughs> things that makes you feel old. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. And you used to ride a horse to school, too, bro. Yeah. Like, like, what are we talking about? Like, it, it's, <laughs> right. it's not even in the same world. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. And it's because of the game's just so different. You know what I mean? Like, you take those older trucks like that, and it was it was like, they're very simple. You know, there's not much to them. The, the, the torque-based fuel's not really there. There wasn't a ton. It was, <laughs> you're taming a, a rather mechanical freaking system as far as the ECU goes. It's pretty yeah. simple. You put it right. there, it does it. And so, uh, but also on that diesel play site, like, there was, I had posted up, you know, this is going back in the day. I had an LMM tune that was like 30 horsepower that we dynoed. It ran awesome. And I had it posted up for free with a full write-up of how everything works on the forum back in the gap. And I'm like, here, here's y'all a bass tune to start with. <laughs> you know, it was a, a completely done LMM file, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game. So I was like, you know, if people can see the file I posted and then the little write-up behind it, that's going to save them a lot of time of trying to figure out how this, how this torque-based stuff works, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, I was obsessed with it. I mean, I was I was playing with my truck 18 plus hours a day. It was kind of do or die, especially whenever I said no more rental company. <laughs> so I had to make it work. But uh, a lot of the tunes too, you could download. Like uh, I don't know if they're still there, but like on Diesel Place, people would have posted up, you know, 40 horsepower tune, uh, 100 horsepower tune, and it would be for you know both LBZs. So I'd click on them, I'd download them, compare the differences, and then be like, oh, okay. So that much duration must have increased it that much, you know, horsepower. Yeah. And so you just keep playing with it and then finally, you know, get get on a dyno, play on the dyno and see how the boost changes things. See how timing changes things. And it was fun. It was a really good time in the industry. Nowadays, you know, it's kind of taboo to try to do that type of stuff. But I think the difference is, is it's one thing if you download a file or let's say somebody even freaking steals a file and you're comparing to learn. That's cool. Now, what would have been screwed up is if I would have taken that bully dog file and resold it. Right. You know, course. I would have took someone's tune and then resold it. That, that's what. That's what's frowned upon. Yeah, I'm okay you with you so much stealing. Of that now, I'm not though. okay with you profiting off of stealing. Yeah, but that's what you see so much of now. Like according to your point, you know, you see so many guys. You had the beta team right in the in the late 2000s with EFI Live. You know, you had a couple of the OGs. You had a couple of the new guys. And it's crazy to think that, you know, out of that beta team, it is someone like Nick and yourself that's still active in the industry doing what, you know, you guys do. Um, 
But it's it's wild to me that in this day and age with forums now, people are selling files ripped off tunes. I, mean, I know you're an advocate. You post about this often with your data logging review through the website and through your business and stuff that you do. But that's what the industry has come to. Yeah. You know, fly-by-night guy wants it to make is, a quick yeah. couple bucks, rips off a file, and he's just plugging the same tune, the same operating system in every L5P or into every LML. Well, it's it's funny. We're, <laughs> we're talking about some of these OGs that were around back in that day. I've worked with some of these guys selling them our products yeah. since then, yeah. right? So post-2013. Yeah. So, And I remember having conversations with some of these guys who were on that original beta team talking on how much they hated Corey and Nick for giving everything away because they saw it from an older guy point of view of, no, if you know how to do something, keep it a secret. Don't teach the new guy how to build a transmission. You should be the only one who knows how to do it. And now Um, look at roles reversed in 23. Now if you look at the approach that that I think, and that's one of the things that I think we always like about PPI. We don't, you know, you're one of the competitors that we don't bitch about um, where, where it's like lead with education, teach people how to do shit, have a passion for it, have some love for, for the industry. Uh, all of the business shit can follow. Like, like if you, if you, you got lead it, with man. that first, that that's what I think makes a really good foundation to be yeah. successful in this industry. And that that's who we're seeing stick around. That's who's not the flash in the pan, the fly by night right. assholes. Um, you know, I joke about about I'm fine with you stealing a tune. I am fine with somebody looking at a tune. I'm, I'm totally, yeah. totally not opposed to it. What you yeah, what I think I everybody no learned early on is you can't trust anybody because now if you were to do that, they absolutely would be yeah. resold. In fact, they are being resold. Like yeah. that that's the problem. That's the issue right now. How do you, yeah, how do you think like, that should be addressed, Corey? How do you think what do you think should happen to prevent people from profiting off of stealing tunes? Like I, there's <laughs> I, it definitely isn't the method that I'm having to use right now. That method sucks. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know what else to do at the moment. You know, I'm uh, I'm like I'm sure you guys are. We're working with the software companies and everything. But it's, you know, I hate to see them put, you know, $30,000 or $40,000, $50,000 worth of their engineering time for tune security when someone can simply just grab the file out of the ECU from, a, a you know, a, an off-brand <laughs> Uh, off-brand European tool or something. Right. So it's like they can spend all the time they want with that. There, there are ways to readdress everything in the ECU in such a way that uh, even if you make a change in the table you see in the software, it doesn't work. Uh, we'd like to do some of that here soon. We do a little bit of it in Power Sports to try to keep it secure. Yeah. But ultimately, the only method the, – the thing is, is that, you know, and y'all can – I'd like to hear what y'all have to say about this too because we talk about it often over here. The, there's a different generation or a different expectation of returns these days than there was even five, ten years ago. Yeah. So the, the people that – we used to have a, a respect, you know, and, and, and we still do for everyone else in the business. You know, now it's, it's really just now money. They don't care, but what they do care about – they don't care if you got you sued them. They don't care if they got a legal letter. The only thing I've seen people care about is being called out online and getting their egos crushed with with data and facts. Yeah, I think that because a lot that's of, something you can't run from. Them. I think a lot of that though is is it's how set how how set is your foundation right to the companies that have been around for a while, PPEI performance oriented you know diesel tuning company in the industry been around for years, calibrated power tuning company that's been around for years um there's a little bit of a different outlook of of conducting business than a fly-by-night guy who it is a cash grab right they're just looking for that one year two year collect the money fly under the radar and go do your business you know what i mean they're uh, i don't know how to word that any differently well well, let's let's look at a, a case study here um nighttime critters creatures of the night fast we, we all remember yep. this video. Yeah. The first video that yeah. Brad came out. That was Henry, right? That was Henry. Smoked those motherfuckers, came out, blasted them with a video. It blew up. It went yeah. absolutely viral in the diesel community. It's the first time I remember anybody in the diesel community being that public about a map violation. Yeah. Like, and, and it was a blatant map violation. I don't don't believe they're around anymore. Don't believe the owners are in the industry anymore. Yeah. Like, like, I think that pretty much crushed. But what that required was the, the manufacturer 
to call them out and right. to pull their distribution card. That's the most effective thing we've seen. Yeah. I know as as like we are a fast distributor, wholesale distributor here at Calibrated, I know we absolutely enforce map policy yep. to to a, a, an exhausting degree because we know we have to. Agreed. But but it took to. it took to. Brad, it took fast to step up and say we are going to walk away from your money. We are we have decided <laughs> yeah. that your your ethics are not worth your money. It's it's just it's not an equation. Yeah. I think for HP Tuners, Easy Link, EFI Live, any other software developer, and you're talking about retail software developers, people who make hardware that end users are gonna use, I think it's really hard for them to consider policing the industry as far as ethics. Where do you draw the standard? How do you prove it? So if if I find somebody ripped off a tune and I send them the file, I don't know enough, like, because I'm not a tuner, because I think you guys are all crazy for wanting to be tuners, but whatever. Um, he says that as he's employed by one, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm employed by one. I'm not one. You notice for 10 years I've been here, I've you're right. never you know, tuned a truck in my hey, life. you know what? I think you're right. We're Nick all, is Nick is crazy for employing you for yeah, 10 years. Right. You're right. Nobody agrees more. <laughs> you're right. Nobody agrees more. Um, but but it, it, took, it took somebody saying, your money's not worth it. Right. I don't care about your money. I care about... And, and I think for Brad, it's more about about fairness and about policy. And he really doesn't it's seem to be one to care about money. He yeah. would fight over the principle before he fought over the money. He seems like that guy. Um, right. I don't know that EFI Live has enough fucks to give. I just think they're out of them as yeah. far as anything like this goes. They just they don't seem. But that that's one they don't hardware. Seem to be that's interested. one software. Right? I don't know like, where Easy Link or HP Tuner stands on this either. HP Tuners is so much bigger than the L5P and Cummins market that they're in with diesel, yeah. right? Like like their yeah, business, I'd imagine, say, is like, much larger than just H- those two. Yeah, I, I can say that like HP Tuners, in my opinion, has more, more of a give a damn than the other companies, yeah. right? And the reason I can say that is because they, those guys reach out to me, like I'm sure they do y'all, and they're like, what can we do to help y'all in this regard? And I make suggestions, but I do realize some of the suggestions would be straight up basically policing or it becomes a weird intellectual property thing, you know, and I haven't had discussions with them about it, but I, <laughs> like, I've been around this a long time, so I know what they're battling. On it. And yeah. so it makes it really, really difficult. But I think one thing that, that could change is whenever we blatantly catch someone doing this and we can 100 percent prove it then it technically is our responsibility to go after the customer. But likewise, if a customer is utilizing a platform, like let's say we've got EasyLink, EFI, HP Tuners, and there's one platform that you'll see someone that you know this platform's compromised or probably 95% stolen tunes, we just start using that platform less. So like HP Tuners has gained a lot of, of, our business <laughs> over yeah. the past past year. So where if if and I'm not saying Easy Link or EFI is ignoring it, but the reality of the matter is HP Tuners cared enough to, to reach out to me and see what they could do. So when that when that's the case, and I can see we're making a global effort to do something. Well, I want to give you more of my money because you got my back. You right. know, so they are making you know definitely hundreds of thousands of more dollars off of us this year. Than they would have before, which means that, you know, from other places, they're making a little bit less. And we might be just a small dent in the puzzle, but I know that dent is, is deep six six digits, in some cases seven. Yeah. So it's like where, you know, if if more people did that and it's like, hey, you've got to help us here a little bit, you know, like it hurts all of us. And at the end of the day, it's going to hurt the hardware company. Well, that that's where because I think you're you're absolutely right. That's market demand, right? Is like if you give me exactly. if you if you solve my problem, I spend money with you. Right. That's why customers deal with you. That's why customers deal with us. That's how we that's how we assess situations for ourselves, right? Is if you are the hardware and software provider that gives me the most amount of protection as a tuner, and you can meet all the other basic requirements that they all can because they're all. Listen, they all have their own unique characteristics. They all have their little features and benefits that are different from each other. But at the end of the day, right. they all deliver custom tuning that custom tuners like you and us, right? Like, like that's why we use them, right? So Yeah, agreed. So give, give me know, my basics that I have like, to have and then give me protection. Agreed. And, you know, the thing is, is it's really important to us now. Like before where someone stole stuff, it's, it's frustrating, it's aggravating, and we try to deal with it. 
but it's a little bit different for us now because you know now a calibration could be in excess of twenty thousand dollars just for the emissions side of it right you know and what we dealt with so this is this is why a big reason that i go after people so freaking hard is because a couple of years ago uh people were selling i'd stopped selling deletes i legitimately quit selling them in 19 and so people are still out there saying yeah we still have ppi deletes we still got it people will buy a tune and it'll say ppi on it and sometimes it was like our old stolen tune sometimes it was another tune that they just labeled ppi right. so uh what ended up happening was the epa was like hey you're <laughs> you're you're running stuff under the table here why are we keep seeing your stuff and i'm like people are stealing it and using my my brand name to to sell it yeah and so i had to basically prove that i wasn't still doing deletes so Jesus. it sucks you know that 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 conversation probably cost me 200 plus thousand dollars with attorneys like by the time it was all said and done and i had to prove my freaking innocence and the issue is is the guy that was stealing and selling it the whole entire time they're still out there freaking rocking doing their thing and making money and it cost me you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix so it's way bigger than than like oh it hurts his ego or something like that like no it it can really cost me money now it doesn't <laughs> yeah. but you know thankfully now it doesn't they know people are just stupid right but, you know at the time it was definitely an issue but how much effort like, not I even just money how much effort did you have to put into that you think i think back to the post we've seen from you going through this topic specifically about getting your tune oh, stolen man. and having people resell your tunes and you're like how much of how many things do i have to do this week now, how much of my time has to be devoted to just proving that I didn't do other dumb shit? Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible. You know, I was spending 40, 50 hours. That's why, honestly, my company hasn't come out swinging hard until this past year. You know, I've been dealing with the CPA deal for seven, eight years, and uh, but the last three have been a nightmare, yeah, <laughs> absolute from hell nightmare. So, uh, it was taking easily 40, 50 hours a week, and then try to run your company on top of that. And we did it, and we did it well, but our R&D slowed down so much. Well, that, and so all it allowed me to do is basically just do emissions testing 24-7 and deal with the EPA. It's pretty miserable. So that's one thing, Corey. I want to I wanna go back just a little bit there, and, and you talked about – you know, new platforms uh, costing you know an emissions on space, calling it uh, costing in the excess amount of twenty thirty thousand dollars. Let's go back to that 09 era, that 08 era. You know, LMM Duramax. You know, you could literally take your EFI Live tool, plug into it, read off the file. You could do your edits. You could do that type of stuff. Come up with a solution that you think is you know viable to the consumer, to the marketplace, and and start selling it. The only R and D cost that there would have been involved at that point is the vehicle. Uh, the hardware and your yep. laptop and your time. How much of that has changed? And kind of just kind of go through like, what does R and D development look like? You know, when we talk, we talk L five P. We talk twenty twenty plus. We talk, you know, just the new ten speed stuff that you know is newly released. What kind of dollars and cents goes into tuning and R and Ding a new platform compared to what it was like ten fifteen years ago? Man, I can say like just because you know with the three point oh liter. Uh, you know, I just got that thing getting set up at SEMA Garage now to get in, and it's twenty thousand dollars. You know, it's supposed to be six thousand basically if you're just doing forty-nine state, but somehow you're going to end up spending close to ten. Yep. And then for fifty state, you know, you're going to be twelve. Somehow you're going to end up spending somewhere around fifteen, sixteen. If it's a brand new vehicle, they don't have baselines, they don't have one around. You have to rent the vehicle, get the fuel, and I'm thankful SEMA Garage helps out with that. But still, at the end of the day, twenty grand, twenty grand. Yeah. So. For us, and what's crazy too is, thank God we pass them every time. But if you didn't pass or you're screwed, like, well, you're have fun with your twenty grand. Well, let, 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 <laughs> yeah, let, yeah. Let's on you're that, paying right? for the testing, not the results, yeah. right? So, so, so if you fuck exactly, it up and don't get what you want exactly. at the end, you get to pay for another test. So now, are you exactly. sending? A, so like, are you sending a truck so, so to like, them to have done, Corey? Um, I'm, yeah, so okay. we will, in some cases we'll send a truck, right. but in this case, uh, banks actually had a customer with a 3.0 liter. And so that's the one we intend on using. Very cool. With okay. that truck, with but, that setup. 
It's but, just you know how it goes. Like they have to have a specific model year. It has to have like the specific trim package. It has yep. to be the stock tires, X amount of miles. So like they're they're kind of hard to find to get a truck that qualifies. Yeah. You know? yeah. But you've also had to have experience tinkering with that prior. So this isn't like, oh, there's a vehicle I can test on. I'm gonna magically pull a file out of my rear, send it to them to flash, and start <laughs> testing. So it's work. like, on top of the twenty thousand dollars just for the fifty state testing, you've already had to have a vehicle. You've already had to go through that R and D. The return. On that, you know, when we talk about stolen tunes and we talk about, you know, these businesses that are flourishing and growing and and guys with cash grabs or whatever, it becomes that much more of a of a difficult, you know, uh, obstacle to overcome. Right, coming forth with a new platform for support is very very expensive. Yeah, agreed. And so it's like, and and to add on that, like the finances, but also take time. So before we go to SEMA garage, you know, I've got a very simple five gas analyzer over here at my shop. I've been using it for years. It normally lines up with SEMA garage within 0.01%. So I call it accurate. Uh, this thing I'll bring in a, I've got a, a, a very good friend of mine that she's a chemical engineers at the plants. Uh, like there's a bunch of industrial plants around here. And so she took care of all that and made sure their emissions were in compliance. So I asked her, I said, Hey, I, this was in like 2016. I said, I don't know anything about this emissions crap. <laughs> I said, can you come in and I want to take and run one of, I want to run the truck stock and then I want to run it with a, uh, you know, basically it was, it, it would have been kind of like one of my delete files with codes on. You know, we didn't know anything much terribly back then. So I put that thing on the, uh, on the deal and she ran it and like we bombed that test. Like it yeah. was terrible. And I was like, oh my God, I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> so, so, but, but, you know, I had to bring her in and do that. And then we had to spend the time and figure out how to, how to run the FTP 75 test on our dyno. And, you know, it was just, it was a lot of stuff because there's no, you know, what sucks is there's really no user manual. You can go to just figure out how to do this stuff. No. So it was a lot of learning. And, uh, I went to, after I, once I figured out kind of how to get it right, we got it here and I got the, uh, it was an eco diesel I was working on and I got it tuned and, uh, passing emissions, uh, right here in our lab. So I went and brought it to the university of Houston, which was 20,000, which is kind of cool. It was $20,000 and we had their whole lab for 30 days. And so, uh, myself and, and they had some really friendly, really awesome engineers in there. And so we get in there and they think I'm like freaking diesel Jesus or something. Like, how long have you been doing this? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. That's why I'm here. <laughs> like, I have to learn how to do this. <laughs> like, I, I see the writing on the wall. This is the future. Trust me. I am not the expert at the moment, but we're, we're going to learn together. So uh, we get on it, and, you know, it passes, and they're all surprised. It made horsepower. And so I bring a Cummins in there, and uh, that I tested here at the shop, and uh, they ended up taking and, and we passed it there. And I was able to, while I was with them, we started playing with timing. I'd move timing around, and I'd see what would happen after the test. Then I would have I would move boost around. We would see what happened after the test with boost because they had really nice like all. Um, I don't remember if it was like uh, I think they had AVL stuff. I can't remember, but they had super nice equipment with like the bags and everything. And so I learned a ton over those sixty days of testing out there, and that's where I kind of got my wheels under me to know. You know, by, by all means, not an expert and really know what I was doing much. But I did know if I increase timing, this moves. If I decrease timing, this moves. If I move, you know, so I just played with everything to find out what the op, what the, the equal and opposite result was of every change I made. And after that, I was able to come back to my facility and myself be able to run it on the dyno doing the test and be able to really get some good calibrations dialed in. And then, you know, once... Like around 2020, 2021, I really had my feet under me really, really, really well on that stuff. And, you know, like anybody else and any, anybody working in this trade, we're constantly learning, you know. Yeah. But now it's pretty cool. You know, the trucks run with dang near no EGR. They use less DEF fluid, which is cool when they don't run as much EGR. And likewise, it's, it's less, so they have less regions. So, and making the same horsepower. Right. You know? So we're back in the day, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, I don't know how long it's been since y'all did any of that type of stuff, but in almost four years for me, well, emissions tuning will teach, will force you to learn a whole lot about combustion. I thought I knew a good bit before, <laughs> I didn't crap. So it taught us a whole lot on combustion and uh, really, really cool to be able to take and start making big power with these trucks without sacrificing 
any of the emission systems. And, you know, if you looked at my tunes from like 2018 or so, 2017, uh, they might have been running, you know, 29,500, 30,000 pounds of line pressure. You look at them now, I'm maxing that sensor out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's different ways of making power. We run less boost on stuff now than kind of what we did even back then. It's just way better than it was even four or five years ago and and it not all by my choice i had to if i want to stay in business this shit's got to work it's so funny you say that we had nick on probably like i don't know like six or seven weeks ago and uh i was giving him a hard time about i walked into his office one day and he was working on a tune and i'm like what what are you what are you in because he was in efi live which i don't usually see nick in efi live he's usually dealing more like whatever more advanced files um right yeah 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 yeah. so yeah yeah the little stuff uh so i come in and he's in efi live and he's 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 like oh it's an lb7 i'm like what the fuck are you doing tuning an lb7 there's at least three other guys who get paid to tune lb7s right what are you doing to an lb7 i'm like what are you changing like like how long have you been tuning lb7s like what could you possibly be changing he's like oh will you you improve he's like it turns out i learned a whole bunch of shit since 2001 or three or whatever when I first started doing this stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, anytime, fair enough. Anytime fair a enough. new platform comes out, he goes back into the old stuff. Yeah. Never fails. Yeah. But but I love I love what you're saying is is dealing with this stuff, you do have to learn to tune a different way. You have to change your strategies. You have to evolve. Um, you, you know, making power and making clean power in a deleted truck versus making power and reliable power in an emissions-equipped truck, two very different worlds. I will say the one oh, thing that I yes. love about emissions equipped tuning is how many how many trash boxes are out there and how many pressure boxes and shit that that harms your emissions and shit that that yes. yeah it'll feel faster but it's gonna it's trash Be taxing on the truck um, long term and like I feel like that that group is growing I feel like that's what we're looking at now and there's there's good ones out there right if, like anything there's good and bad um, but it, it's funny that they're they're grabbing EOs quickly, and I think that's the reason they're around. Um, I know we've gone through the EO process a, a bunch, uh, so so we have a handful of EOs on tuning, um, and and it's it's such a process, man. I mean, some yeah. of our it's stuff hard, man. we're it's three a, years from someone... when we submitted the paperwork until we get approval. That's not three years we've been working yeah. on it. We've been working on it yeah, for six. Same, same here. Three years <laughs> later, they reply to us on paperwork we submitted. Um, but we've also seen, too, that those EOs, and I mean, this goes back to a post that you did the other day or yesterday, Corey, like the EOs that we had two years ago or that we were dealing with till now, they're becoming that much more stringent. They're oh, that the much rule, more strict. Oh, oh, like everything about the process is more difficult. Oh, they're moving the rules and the target around yeah. without telling anybody yep. until you've already spent the $20,000 Oh, on you thought you testing. figured out our game? Yeah. Guess again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah can you dude, talk I, a little bit about I, your journey like with getting EOs? Yeah, it's we're dealing with the same thing. Like I did that Ford freaking like two years ago, and I still don't have the EO. And they make it, it matters even worse. I don't even sell to California, but the way like my consent decree and stuff works was they were like at first it was you can't sell a tune until you get your EO number submitted, and I was like, that's not gonna work because <laughs> if y'all drag y'all's feet, I'm gonna be sitting here with no tunes to sell whenever I pass emissions testing already. Yeah. So we was able to take and, and negotiate that out. But, you know, I, whenever I see someone go in and they do emissions testing and they pass and they have results, like, that's that's pretty respectable, you know, because it's it's a very large commitment to actually do it and get it done. I see people all the time say they're emissions present or emissions approved tuning. Bullshit. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, you know, well how about with the new rules? Not. So you're not allowed to sell anything before you have proof of testing or, or reasonable basis is, I think, the wording they're using officially. But nobody will define reasonable basis. No, Nobody will give, like, clearly this. <laughs> no. Here is the reasonable basis test and the equipment you should use this to This is your lawyer's interpretation of it. Right, is right. What I, boils I, down I, I had an emissions lawyer, and, and I, think, I think we're all familiar with him. Very nice guy. Yeah phenomenal at yep. what he does no question but i was on a phone call and i said well what do you think about this he said i would love to argue with that i would love to argue the epa with that in, in court <laughs> well, i'm fucking sure you would i've seen your bill i'm sure you would love to argue with the epa in court with getting paid to do it sure sure uh, but yeah, he had if, the best of intention he meant about- he was very confident that we were right but yeah it's it's wild what's going on out there yeah, if someone thinks that they're gonna uh, just like up and challenge the EPA pretty much by themselves, or try to try to get somewhere with it, or <laughs> get to court with something that makes sense, 
just go ahead and take it from me. Don't try that. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> if you want to get something done in that regard, go get involved with politics. That's where everything happens. That's that. There's there's some truth in that. I mean, listen, we've we've seen it. You know, some of this stuff, as far as the EPA goes, we were we we jumped we jumped out of this stuff years and years ago. Um, yeah, y'all were the first ones, I think, out I, of everybody. I think so. Um, I will say it, a few years after we got out of it, because we, we kind of got out of it quietly. We didn't like make an announcement like we're not doing this anymore. We just started turning orders down over the phone, which was a really, really fun time to having been worked here for six months and had left a job at a publicly traded company to come work in a garage in a small town <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, so it was really cool that six months and later- tell people that you won't take their money. Right. Six months later, the owner comes in. He's like, yeah, don't sell this anymore. And I'm like, yo, you hired me to sell shit. That's that's what I do, bro. Like, I don't work on shit. I don't rent shit. I don't tune shit. I sell shit. Uh, he's like, yeah, don't do that anymore. Um, so I think probably like- Five years later or so, four years later or so, we made a video that said, don't delete your LML DPF. And there's like five things that, that we wrote up for Nick to go over to explain, like, here's the case against deleting. Out of all of the videos on our YouTube channel, combined amount of dislikes does not equal the amount of dislikes on that one video. People you hated getting, us for it. You were getting hate mail for it. Hated us for it. You have no idea how many times we have been told that we are agents of the EPA. Yeah. We are, we are this secret podcast. EPA oh, agents. On this podcast. People have said it on this podcast, too. Um, it, it, it is amazing the, the visceral reaction that people had from from the going hate. to this. But what what I will say, the, the, the bright spot in this is that now I'm starting to see the tide turn. And I think I think exactly. you're starting. I'm seeing on your post that you're starting to get comments, and the the customer demand is changing. Uh, have you started it to is. notice that? Have you started to to see people embrace this idea of emissions equipped performance? Absolutely, but you know, I I don't think it's because uh, it's a it's a weird spot because and I analyze it a lot. I, I think it's not so much because people like emissions any more than they did yesterday. Yep. But it's because they can't trust the the hacked delete tunes they have out there. And like for anyone listening to this, if you see a tuning company and they have tons of like if they support the Titan and the all the Cummins year models, all the Duramax year models, and that company hasn't been around like tuning publicly for at least like ten near five years, you know, I'll say three for sure. Like, it's hacked files. That's all yeah, there is yeah. to it. It's hacked files. I could look at it and tell you what base file it came from. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things that that people are getting these files and the trucks don't run right. Or the ABS and brake lights are on. Or it just, or God forbid, they actually have a modification done to the truck other than stock turbo and injectors. Then you could just, you know that thing's screwed. Yeah. So we've actually been having people call us and I'm like, they're like, please, we'll do anything. Please help me. I'm like, I'm not going to prison. Sorry. And they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, I mean, this sounds bad, but you know, if, if you can't find what you need, the only way I can help you is if you put your emissions equipment on. I've had people literally go by and spend all the money, put all their emissions equipment back on their truck to get us to tune it just because they were so frustrated yeah. with dealing with incompetent tuning shops. I was just going to bring that up. Like yeah. we same thing here experience with guys, you know, uh, for that same reason, they went to this tuning company, that tuning company, maybe they dealt with a tuning company that can no longer offer the support. And then they get burned by two or three or four other tuning companies. They've spent thousands of dollars tuning their truck all to revert back to, hey, I'm going to put the emissions on and I'm going to deal with someone that's been in the industry that will answer the call, answer an email, be able to support the product that I'm looking for. It, it's a shit feeling. Like it, yeah. it sucks that someone's had to spend money and they've gone through this emotional roller coaster to basically get had by not one, two, three, four shops. Well, like, like, it's terrible. And, and as an owner, too, I always look at that as like such a sad story because people don't, most people uh, that I talk to anyways, don't tell me that they're deleting the, the emissions equipment because of a political affiliation or a religious belief, they're deleting it because they want their right. truck to be more reliable. Yeah. It's a very, right. very practical decision. It costs thirty six hundred dollars for a DPF. It costs fourteen hundred dollars for a DEF system. It costs twelve hundred dollars for an EGR. All of this shit is failing. My truck is just out of warranty. I'm going to have to foot the bill, or I could spend a fraction of that cost to delete it. It's it's a practical thing of wanting your truck to run. I, I would never hold that against somebody, right? It's like, hey, if that, exactly. that if that's the situation you're in, and you're not in a place that has like local enforcement, and you don't drive places that have local enforcement, like 
you're going to do what you're going to do. I don't know what I'm legally allowed to recommend people to do anymore, but yeah. like, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. But to go through that and spend that money to make your truck more reliable, because it's still not cheap. I mean, even deleting like an LML, you're still talking over a Geno, like to, to even to even talk you're about a couple it. Grand, yeah. um, right. So, so you're still throwing around cash, and then to get through all of that and have to go back to putting it back on, like, can you imagine the level of frustration you have to be at to be like, I choose a DPF? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 a different level of frustration, you know, and it, it makes me feel it, it makes me feel terrible because like I know exactly why they're doing it, you know. Let's 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 go back, you know, a year or two ago during the COVID times when nobody could even get a DPF or you couldn't get an EGR, you couldn't get a freaking exhaust gasket. Yeah. So and they're like. This is my hotshot truck. I run it every day. You're telling me what you can do, but that doesn't fix it, and I can't get parts. And I'm like, I know. The system's broken. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help you. I'm not defending that this, this is how things should be. Like, trust me. I don't think it's how it should be. You know, but we have no control over that. But the good thing is, is like what we were saying earlier, is if somebody gets hooked up with a good company like a PPI or calibrated power or whatever – if you if we tune the truck and then it throws it let's say you do have something fail normally it's, it's a freaking sensor that's under 300 bucks yeah that and if you catch it before yes. you, instead of just driving yes. it Ooh. then you can fix your truck truck for under 300 dollars for most of the time do don't talk weekend, crazy to me and tell me i need to go look into every check engine light now okay yeah, i've owned but, a truck since you since before you were driving you don't tell me that <laughs> yep, this truck's going to tell yep. me what to do all right, but that's yeah, the, Omar, the the Homer Simpson trick don't work on emissions present trucks. I'll tell you, man, that, that is, piece of tape will screw you. That is the biggest thing in the world. But, but that is the, the thing biggest is, thing. And we deal with it. Yeah, and we deal with it every day. So it's like someone someone will have an issue, you know. And it's normally older trucks. Like I'm sure it's the same for y'all, but like we have dang near zero tech support for like the newer L5Ps, yeah. the new Fords, the new Dodges. These things are their emission systems are pretty dialed in from the OEM. You know, if it, anything can happen, you catch a boost leak, yeah, you're going to piss stuff off, well, but you can generally still save Think it. about catalytic converters. It's like when those came out, every shop in America chopped them off. And then all of a sudden, they built them so they were reliable. Like, my exactly. mom's never going to go chop the catalytic converter off of her Honda. Like, she, that that's never going to come up, right? They built something that was reliable, and people don't care about the parts. People care about being able to drive their truck every day without it breaking down. That's it. it that's it. That's it. And so that's the thing is, and, and if people... So if we tune a truck and it has any issue whatsoever, well, the good thing is, is normally they'll have a software, you know, rather HP tuners, EFI or whatever. And we can look at the dialog and say, oh, there you go. You know, you've right. got one EGT sensor reading 1832. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. And that's, that one's done. So replace that and everything's going to be fine. Clear your light. And that's normally what it is. And But they'll email us with the intentions of, man, freaking emissions issues. I've got to delete this thing now. And I'm like, why? That sensor's cheap. Like, no, well, I, if I get a hole in my tire, I just chop that tire off, and I just yeah. I, I get some extra weight and balance the truck well, out yeah, on three don't wheels. Don't worry about yeah. patching it. I yeah, always yeah. make I always make the joke. <laughs> I think of my my fifteen Cummins, two years old, water pump failed. Yeah. Okay. What really pissed me off is I buy the Cummins water pump, put it in the truck. Two weeks later, I get a recall in the mail from Ram regarding the water pump. <laughs> but sucker. whatever. Oh, but, you got burnt, bro. But burnt. it's not like you go and you get to say, hey, you know what? Water pump failed, I'm going to delete it, right? Or you get a vein actuator on a Cummins, or the CP4 fail, injector pump fails, whatever that case may be. You don't get to delete the premature failed parts that are on the truck when it comes to other moving components. Yeah. And these people, these guys, like you want the newer amenities of the newer truck. Well, the newer truck has more moving pieces, right? So it's just a trade-off at well, that point. It's funny we were talking about these hack jobs earlier, too, because these hack jobs also have like taken any resemblance of educational or content marketing where, where you actually teach people things and you actually like help people and then because of that people like you so they want to do business with you instead what i see a lot of posts about is like your egr sucks in not so many words <laughs> yeah uh, your dpf is ruining your truck and it's like you don't know shit about how a dpf works you, you, just, right. you don't know how it works. What are you What are you broke? talking about? It's trash. It's, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. You weren't supposed to idle it for 36 hours straight, jackass. Like, that's just, <laughs> the truck wasn't designed to do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not the OEM. Exactly. Oh, you tell me like, a little I passionate one, about this. Uh, yeah, we had we have one guy uh, here recently. It's a, It was like a 2012 after 28, Duramax, 200-something thousand miles. And he's like, yeah, you know, it gives me issues sometimes, but... Uh, 
I put y'all's tune in it. He said, I get in it in the morning. I only drive like two miles to work, you know, so I get in it. He's like, and I love driving it, so I beat on it the whole way there, oh, God. the whole way home. But he's like, it, it It seems like he gets pissed. I'm like, bro, you've never even got up to temp. That, that's <laughs> like, bro, to do its job. He's like, yeah, I've been doing manual regions for a long time. Oh, <laughs> my God. And you're just on the other line cringing. Like, if you have witnessed a manual regen, there's no way you would purposefully put your truck through that twice. There's no way you were like, oh, Routinely. No, I got a solution, bro. Once a month, I do an oil change, and I do a manual regen. Like, what the fuck? It is horrid. Oh, God. It's horrid. The trucks are so pissed. It is, oh it is not a comfortable feeling being by one. Like no, no, no. So, so no, okay. So this this brings me up another yeah, question. Hot. We've seen Ford. Do all the Fords have the manual regen button, or is it just the cabin chassis? I couldn't I tell you. I can't remember. I think it's just the cabin chassis. We're we're starting yeah. to see it though. We're we're like the OEM. Like I don't know if it's just out of their like we're done with the recalls. Like manual regen your shit and stop. We're done with your you bringing off. your truck like, to like, the dealer for a regen. Don't bring your truck to all twenty of my dealerships where I only have one diesel tech who knows what he's talking about. Like don't do that. Just manual regen yeah, I mean, your shit at I, home. You know, I have one conversation. Uh, I went to D.C. and I've met with the EPA a ton of times because that's just I want solutions, you know. So I, I want to see some proper solutions. So, you know, I went over there once and had a conversation with the engineers. And, you know, <laughs> I can't say too much, but I can give the gist. So what ended up happening was I was like, look, y'all do emissions tests. I said, you require an emissions test. And you that's a, a vehicle's age at 150,000 miles like if you looked in what the, the the code says literally in the in the code it says at 150,000 miles the DPF's considered aged so from the manufacturer the warranty generally goes up to 100,000 miles i think the emissions warranty is supposed to go up to 150 but the EPA's like yeah so that's that's good i'm like hold on i was like what about after that i said what happens after that scenario like well if it wears out and you replace it i said do you know how much it costs they had no clue so it's like, dude, I was like, do you think someone's going to spend $12,000? If they're a hotshot driver and they put this kind of miles on the truck in two years, do you think, think they're going to spend $12,000 every two years to have this problem? I said, it's in D.C., you know, seven-year warranty, 100,000 miles goes a long ways. Out in the, the rural areas, like where we're at, where people drive the piss out of these things, especially towing and beating the hell out of them, you know, yeah. doing what they're supposed to do. Man, that's that's a that's an issue. You're not you can't expect that person to spend twelve six thousand dollars a year based on based on emissions components that they can fix with a with with a delete. So that's one thing that I think no matter what we can avo- we can totally avoid is that some of them will go three hundred thousand miles, five hundred thousand miles. You see some freaks now and then, yep. but if it is a wear item. No matter what, we can't get across the point that it's eventually a wear item. Right. Now, is it worse? Is it worse for someone to get a bad tune and wear their engine out before the DPF? Hell no. <laughs> but you know, so it's not worth going the delete route with the tunes out on the market now. You know, it's just a select couple of guys that's out there. Right. So that are actually good. So. You know, when I went up there, it was like, they, we have to, There, y'all have to understand the full picture of what's going on here. You can't expect a farmer or a hotshot driver to have this as an expense every year whenever they can't even see factual data to back up the purpose, <laughs> you know? Well, well I think so, this I think this may create an opportunity for the aftermarket as well, uh, which we've seen a handful of other times in other parts. I mean, that's how our turbo business exerts. And stuff like um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on these aftermarket DPFs? A bully Dog had one out way back, 15, 16, something yeah. like that, and I think it's off the market now. GDP, is that is that GDP yeah. has one-ish? They had. Yeah, Via something. GDP, yeah. I don't know if it's still up. All of these guys are getting them pretty well from, I'm not going to speak for ATS Bully Dog, but it's the same thing. Uh, not the ATS one, but like these DPF, it's come, you could buy one. So like the yeah. one GDP sells, I'm not here to out GDP, but it is what it is. The one GDP sells is just private labeled from another company. It's called a performance DPF. We have tested that DPF before. It's not a performance. It's just a yeah. It's a cheaper stock replacement. There isn't a the aftermarket loop. DPF. There's not a DPF on the market right now that's aftermarket that, that will outflow the stock. No. Like that, that I've tested. If someone's got one, feel free to send it. We'll happily test it. But I've tested them, 
and they don't outflow them. But the bigger thing to that is everybody thinks the DPF is a chokehold. I love that. It's not. I used to think that too. So like, how are you going to get anything through that? I said, I'll tell you how. It's twelve. It's ten to twelve inches in diameter. Yeah. It's a massive tube. <laughs> <Yep>. So, <laughs> you know. So the thing is, is you know, if we've got, let's say, for example, we've got three or four pounds of back pressure, whatever. You, that's your average back pressure. Something that's kind of screwed. Whatever. Seven pounds. You could take and put an intake on it. That'll lower the vein percentage, you know, down another 10. And then you take and you put a, uh, like, even the little Banks exhaust. We tested it. The, the, the shit works. It lowered our back pressure by two pounds to the DPF, which left, left us with only a one-pound delta. Yeah. So with a one-pound delta, I, I have no restriction. And to me, that's basically no restriction. So putting a DPF, a delete on it, isn't going to pick up anything because it doesn't make sense that it's going to pick up anything. I've only got one pound right here. Yeah, this is this is one I, I love talking about this. This is one I think thirteen or fourteen we had an LML in the shop uh, that came in deleted, so we got to test it. Like stock truck with deletes, put all of the emissions equipment back on it and run it again with an emissions equip tune. Yeah. They're within five horsepower, and I'm like, hey guys, uh, five horsepower difference between runs. Right. Like considering there's two or three days in between here, that could be the difference in it being hot or cold outside. Yeah. Like, yep. like that's what we're talking about. Perfect with mine. Yeah, yeah. Your, yours matches perfect with mine because you put the banks just there exhaust because it creates a, a high pressure vacuum on the tailpipe that you know pulls out two pounds worth of it's, it's two pounds worth of basically reverse pressure. Well, there that if you put one on, no other changes, and you're on the dyno, you got proper airflow, you'll see eleven horsepower damn near every time. So the fact y'all seen five, that's what we've seen as well. Yeah, and with the pipe on. 11 pounds, we're all on the same boat. So where is the, the gain? The gain could be that, sure, you can run it richer, you know, and not plug up the pipe and have a haze of smoke and maybe go a tenth down the track quicker. Until now, uh, us and y'all and, and, you know, people are starting to figure this out, how to make that same horsepower, but now it's cleaner. Yeah. Right. So we can do everything that we used to do deleted. But likewise, everybody gets smarter as they as long as they stay with their craft. So... You know, our acceleration, I could take the old delete tunes we have and just reformat them and probably pick up almost two-tenths just from acceleration rate because the mapping's better. Right. You know, so it's everybody stays learning and doing it, but if someone thinks it's just like, oh, I'm going to start doing emissions present tuning. Yeah, good luck. Have fun. <laughs> please, yeah. please it's start. Doable. I mean, I'm not Please start, and when you're done in five years, just ready to sell something, we're happy for that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's it's... It's a different world, but, you know, I think moving on to, to the whole testing and stuff, I, I do think it's going to start solidifying who's real and who's not real. You know what I mean? Cause, <clears throat> well, we've a become a regulated industry. A, I mean, that that's what exactly. the testing does, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, cre- it creates a higher dollar entry, entry, so barrier to entry. So you have to have more money to play the game anymore. It's right. not like it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago where you could buy a V2 Get and a spend a bunch of time on Google and figure some shit out. Hang like, out on the forums for that's a just, week. That's yeah. not an option today. Like, if you want to sell tunes and not get shut down or threatened with house arrest like our boys in Alaska or whatever else is going on, um, yeah. th- then you're, you're going to have to have some capital, some cash, which is... One thing that I think is is interesting to see what goes on of, of there was a time just before the real heavy EPA enforcements. I want to say like right around when Idaho Rob got hit, where all of a sudden every diesel performance shop in America was also a tuner. There was new brands oh, yeah. by the month. And, yeah. and I'm not going to call any of them out because I think a lot of them were good shops and things like that. And I have a respect for them all uh, or some of them. But um. But it was just like, oh, man, yeah, no, we do make hitches, but we also sell our, sell our own tunes. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you make hitches, bro. Make the hitches. Like, be great at making hitches. Like, yeah, like what are we so doing? A lot of shops, shops should have just had diesel exhaust shop in their yes. name instead of diesel shop. Yes. Because when it comes time to start diagnosing stuff, it's, it was like, Shit show. oh, okay. <laughs> Emissions code, shop. delete it. Emissions yeah. code, delete it. Like, yeah, that's a real tough yeah. diagnostic job. I, I wish I wish I could get hired and paid what those guys were getting paid to just diagnose those those emissions oh, equipment Lord. problems. <laughs> the diagnostics is delete. Yeah, <laughs> that's what was going down. Oh, I figured out and your problem. You haven't deleted your truck yet. Delete. Right, <laughs> right, nailed it. It was, it was, you know, and and during that time, it was a really uh, 
you know, during our, before like Rob got hit and everything, like it was so much fun in the industry. You know, if you go back to the LML, I, I think the LML is probably what propped up PPI and Duramax tuner more than anything. And the reason 100%. was because when we reached the limitations of the softwares we were using, we all wanted to tune this new truck. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I know that, you know, Nick's smart as crap. So it's like, I know he's doing what I'm doing right now. So we've got work to do. <laughs> and so, you know, that was an untunable truck technically besides H&S. But if H&S tuned it, you know, it's bully dog, same difference. It was like, well, we can do it too. So, you know, I think it was right around the same time. Like Nick and I ended up buying like the same bitch software and stuff like that. And then we both really started diving deep into WinOS and, before you knew it, we came to the market, you know, right around the same time with this stuff. And people were like, how, I thought this was untunable. How are y'all doing that? You know, and then right behind that was the transmission tuning. And it was pretty much just, you know, that's all that was left kind of at the time was just us and Nick. Yeah. So <laughs> we're driving the hell out of this LML industry. And it was just, it was much harder back then to even find what software or, you know, I remember Whenever the first time I uploaded a, a binary dump into WinOS, I was like, cool, here's going to be all my maps. So I dump it in there, and I was like, okay, there's nothing there. <laughs> 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 this is a bunch of, of, of A through F and 0 through 9s. What the hell is this stuff? And, uh, yeah, that was that was the, probably the most so, funny story during that time. Um, I was, like, single and freaking 100% working. <laughs> like, that's all I did was work. And so I was drinking so much Red Bull, eating so much beef jerky, <laughs> and I would sleep on my desk at the time trying to figure out how this crap worked. <laughs> and uh, we ended up taking, and uh, one day I woke up on my desk, and I was like, man, I feel terrible. So I go out in the shop, and uh, Brad was out there, and he was like, bro, your eyes are yellow. I was like, I feel bad. He's like, you need to go to the doctor. I was like, shit. You're so I go jaundice? To the doctor, he's like, yeah, I got jaundice from too much Red Bull and no sleep. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God, bro. Get some sun. Eat some fucking vitamins. What are you doing? Bro, I wasn't He was eating a high-protein diet. Dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> it said vitamins, not high-protein. Vitamins. Yeah. And, like, you know, my whole life, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bubble right now. I got to get it back together. But, you know, I've always been in super good shape. I gained, like, 20 pounds during that time. It was, like, beef jerky and potato chips trying to figure out this freaking code. <laughs> I, I will say that. That was my exact diet for my twenties, but but yeah, I got it. It was also mixed with a, with a pack of smokes and a bottle of whiskey at night, but you know whatever. Nothing's changed. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. I quit. I kicked the cigarettes, Chris. Did, How dare did. you? And I'm you've down been, to one Red Bull a day at most. You've been e-vaping in the yeah, 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 in the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah. Well, not, we're not going to say that while we're being recorded. The, I, I I was dipping at the time. There's no telling how many freaking cans I went through at that oh, point. That probably didn't help nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I need to be more wired. I get it. I get it. All right, yeah, Corey. Dude, I got that was that was good times. I got one last question for you. Uh, as as technology is getting harder, access to ECMs is getting tougher. Every time there's a new ECM that comes out since the LML, we've all been told it's untunable. That's what we were told about the LML. I think it took two to three years before anybody tuned in LML. Uh, L5P was right around that same timeline. Duramax has been running the L5P since 17. This is 23. I think they're going in the 24s. Has that been confirmed? I believe so. I believe so. I'm not 100% on it, so that's I might be I, wrong. That's Who what cares? I heard, too. Um, we know they're going to change it, though. This RPO is not here forever. They've never done a 10-year run. Yeah. Um, the next ECM is likely to be like all of the other new ECMs out there that have higher and higher levels of security. Is is tuning in a bad way? Is custom tuning in a bad way because of these high levels of security? What does this look like in the future? I, I don't think it. I don't think it's too terribly bad. Um, I've got some real close friends of mine uh, that I work with out of Germany. You guys have become like brothers to me, and um, man, they are. They are. I, this dude's been doing reverse engineering for like thirty years, and so <clears throat> I'll send him over stuff, kind of like E sixty six. You know, I'll send it to him, and I'm like, "Hey, is this uh, what what what's this look like?" He's like, "Oh, it's it's gonna be some work, but it's all totally doable. There's holes there." So it's like, "Okay, cool." So I think that we're gonna it's gonna be like 2011 all over again here in the next probably two years. Okay, where it's just very difficult. You'll have to have some niche markets, and then you know, I know Nick will probably be working super hard on it with with himself and and whatever engineers he works with, just like we are. And it's probably going to become one of those things where 
we all have a lot of money spent into trying to get into new ECUs. And will we won't? Will the third parties get in it? Bef- like like HP tuners and EFI and all these other guys, will they get in it before us? Which is great because then we could just use their stuff. Or is it going to be one of those things where it's like, well, we kind of got this by the tail at the moment. We'll run with it for a little while, yeah. you know, and then work with the third party. I think that's what we'll probably see more of in the next two years. Because like on the on some of the stuff we're working on now. Like with the little power sports, like the little kids' cars, they're actually kind of weird. And so on some of those things, it's kind of the same where it's like, hey, you know, we see you're supporting that. It's like, yeah, I kind of got a little niche right here. I'm going I'm to I'm lay low a little while with this one. <laughs> I think that's what we'll end up seeing. That, that's like what we're doing with the Heisen. So it's like I think we'll end up seeing some of that. But what I really hope is that, you know, HP Tuners and EFI and all these, all these guys just knock it out the park and then we could just use it. Yeah. That's ideal. Yeah. That's the train. A lot less expensive for sure. <laughs> That's the gravy train. But I don't know if that doesn't, you know, if we can't crack ECUs, then the next step is uh, standalones that function with all the emissions equipment. Yeah. <clears throat> That'll be the next the next era. And, uh, you know, we've been working on that since 2019, too. I've actually got an ECU here that's pretty cool. Uh, you can put it in an L5P. And it'll 100% run the L5P. You can put just straight kerosene in it, and it'll automatically adjust for, like, kerosene blend. It's pretty cool. But, you know, to map in all the emission stuff into that ECU and make everything work just as OEM did without actually having an intellectual property issue, like, that's super, super difficult. So, you know, that's probably another – that would be two years of R&D before we work on something with emissions equipment, and that's super dedicated with engineers on it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Corey, thank you for peeling off so much time for our listeners. Guys, if you want to check out more of Corey, he's really, really easy to find on any diesel performance group uh, or online. It's Corey Willis and PPEI.com. Any last words you want to part with our listeners? Man, I just, you know, y'all have had a podcast going a long time. I've, I listen to all of them. I put out great content. And, you know, thanks to all the listeners to, to support it. So even I can get on it and talk a little bit. So, and, I, and don't take me too, too seriously on Facebook. <laughs> I will do no it. such thing. It brings me much joy. Uh, Corey, again, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, thanks for listening to the show. This has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. Have a great night. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, This has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Well, I don't feel like uh, almighty or or a Jesus of any sorts, but I'm alive and well. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.